Hello, witches and wanderers. My name is Missa. And my name is Katie, and welcome to the Baby Witch Podcast. Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, Missa. How are you? I'm feeling pretty great. I'm on my second glass of wine, so I think this is going to be a pretty loose episode. (laughs) (laughs) I know the last episode was a little loose, uh, but uh, we're going to see how tonight goes. It's conversational. We're two friends talking. That's like half of the point of a conversational like podcast. Very true. Very true. Um. Again, we, we talked last episode about um, sound quality. Hopefully it sounded okay. Same situation on this episode. Katie's just recording on speakerphone instead of on a mic. Honestly, her sound will probably be better than mine. I don't really know that this mic is helpful, but it prevents me from having to have her on speaker so, and picking up sounds from all over the house. So we'll see how it goes. If you hate it, keep it to yourselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. It won't be forever. Yep. Yeah, it's just because of technological difficulties. Yes, remember. Actually, I don't know what time when Mercury retrograde ends. I know when it begins. That's all I really care about. Um, mm. But we're in the retro shade recording this, so. Uh, you know what? I think it ends on March 10th. Um, fun fact... I had a dream that March 10th was going to be a very significant day for whatever reason. And I've had like three things come up for March 10th now since that dream happened. So yay. But yeah, it ends on March 10th. So if you're listening to this, the day it comes out, the retrograde ends tomorrow. You're welcome. (laughs) We made it through. We say preemptively, we have no idea the world could have ended by then. Anything's possible in 2020. To this podcast, so it's okay. Or maybe it's all you have left after the apocalypse. Yeah, maybe. We'll find out. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be a really weird dystopia where, like, there's no grocery stores or anything, but you're somehow still able to download a witchy podcast. That's exactly how I imagine the apocalypse actually. Okay. (laughs) Returning to witchcraft. All right. Let's talk tools. Yeah. Um, So we just wanted to talk about this um, because, you know, when you get into witchcraft, you get told about chalices and athames and wands and all this stuff. And you start thinking like, well, do I really need this? Do I really want this? Um, and so we just wanted to, you know, run down the basic tools that you might see and, you know, give our opinions on them and what they do and, you know, just try to steer you clear. Cause there's a lot of materialism when you start going down that route. And there's a lot of witches who there are many in athame that have been purchased that have never been used. So ah, yes. <laughs> yes. And Athame is perhaps purchased from places that didn't really need your money to begin with. Exactly. So we're just going to go into some of that and hopefully we can be helpful to you guys. Yeah. Or to you um, so, so I wanted to start with four. One of them is not even really a tool, but four basic tools um, because we did just talk about tarot a couple episodes ago. Um, and so I'm going to, the four basic tools I'd like to talk about are the tools that you'll see on the tarot card. So it's going to be, again, the chalice, the athame, or the, on tarot, it's usually the swords, but so chalice, mm-hmm. athame, the wand, and the pentacle, mm-hmm. um, and kind of their symbolism and everything like that. And then we're going to move into some of the tools that we maybe use more day to day. Yes. Okay. So the chalice, um, is, I mean, if it, Definition wise is, you know, like a, a goblet, a, mm-hmm. a cup um, used for holding liquids. Um, some people drink out of their chalices. For some people, chalices are just for offerings. The chalice is probably the tool I use the most because, like I said earlier mm-hmm. in this episode, I'm on my second glass of wine. 
Yep. Um, so any ritual nights, I'm usually drinking out of a chalice. Yeah. And you can purchase a fancy chalice if you want to. Um, I bought my chalice for $5 as an antique off of Etsy. Um, just like an old silver chalice. Um, but yeah, you could, you know, just go to the thrift store and find a wine glass that's fancy and speaks to you. Anyway, but or you can like just go to Target or whatever. You don't need to go and spend, you know, $50 on a crystal encrusted blah de blah. Just um, I mean, you can do that if you get to a level of your practice where that would really resonate and help you move forward spiritually. Um, but, you know, when you're just starting out, you can you can even just go grab a wine glass from your cabinet and that's going to be your chalice for the night. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many cutesy wine glasses out there, hand painted ones. Um, you can use a, a teacup or a coffee mug, something like that as your chalice. Mm-hmm. Um And again, it can be used as something that's purely symbolic. Maybe you're putting water in it or maybe wine for a deity or an ancestor, or maybe it is more practical and it's something that you're, you're drinking out of. If it is something that you're drinking out of, make sure it is food grade. Um, There's Mm -hmm. a lot of things out there that are sold that look like something that you drink out of or eat off of. um, And they specifically say like, please don't drink out of this. I had a wine glass, not witchy related, but I got a wine glass as a birthday present one year for either my 21st or my 22nd birthday it was beautifully hand painted had my initials on it had like rhinestones on it um and I I got it with like a bunch of other wine stuff too so I poured a glass of wine in it took a sip and the wine tasted terrible and I thought that is so weird why does this wine taste so bad and then I took another sip and it still tasted really bad and I thought okay what's happening and I looked down I was drinking paint. It was a candle holder. It was a Mm. wine glass painted so that you could put a little tea light candle in there and it would look pretty. It was not to be drunk out of. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, drank a little bit of paint that night. (laughs) Yeah. Or even, um, yeah, no, that's really scary. Um, and just be careful. Yeah. I, even my chalice, I almost, it's more ornamental. Like I don't, use it as much because it's a little fancy and it's also old and I'm a little worried because it's silver and I'm like but it could be silver coated something underneath I don't know yeah. Um, but yeah you just want to be a little careful Um, and it could even be as simple as like I don't actually have a chalice on my current altar because like I'm in a weird living situation right now so I have like a mini altar Um, but I do have a old hand me down well not hand me down heirloom crystal like water glass um that I leave on my altar as to hold offerings for my ancestors um so you can even use it that way or just you know basically a chalice can be any um fancy liquid receptacle that resonates with you and helps you with your spiritual practice Yeah. And then if it is just something that's ornamental, again, some of these things that we're going to talk about are not necessarily something that have a practical use. They're more there for for symbolism or for calling in the elements. So the chalice is a symbol of water Mm -hmm. and it is a feminine symbol. So it's a symbol of. Okay, here's where we get into some weird kind of transphobic crap that still is in some parts of witchcraft Mm -hmm. so it's a symbol of water it can also be considered feminine because it is a symbol of the womb but we all know that women are not the only people that have wombs Mm -hmm. um so i i don't use my chalice as that but if you did want to fill your chalice as a symbol of water um or as a symbol of the womb but if you're using it as a feminine symbol because it's a symbol of the womb that's where you're getting into transphobic witchcraft so just be careful of of how you're using it make sure that you're not uh, incorporating that transphobia and and cis sexism into your practice. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, and there are a lot of other things like that. Like we'll get into wands, and wands are a symbol of um, maleness, supposedly because it's phallic. It's and, a dick. Yep, <laughs> but they're not. Not only men have dicks. That's the other part of it. Yes. Yes, exactly. So I, and this is one thing that I love about modern witchcraft is that while Gerald Gardner 
started Wicca and gave us all of these kinds of practices and traditions, modern witchcraft is going, thanks for that, but actually we're going to do it this way because your way is kind of shitty. Yep. Well, granted, we're going to keep the ritual, but not the reason. Yes. Granted, he did kind of start it so he could look at naked ladies. So, yeah, you know, you're not wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of the wand, let's talk about wands. Yeah. Let's talk about dicks. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry, y'all. Again, I'm on a second glass of wine. This is going to be a fun episode for you. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, so wands, you know, they're supposed to be just like a, you know, uh, there's not, now that we've talked about dicks, I can't get the dick metaphor out of my head. <laughs> Cause I was going to start saying like, it's a long, you know, I was long cylindrical, blah, blah, blah. And I was like that just, you're trying to make it so not dick sounding that you're making it sound worse than it is. Um, anyway, it's like a stick of some kind that you use to concentrate your energy when you're doing a spell. Um, I have a crystal selenite wand that I got. Um, Miss and I subscribed to the same uh, subscription box from uh, Wet Tamed Wild at the same time. So we both have the same uh, selenite wand. But yeah, I have a crystal wand. Um, It's supposed to be used to like concentrating your energy. I've also seen, you know, you can have wood wands a la Harry Potter. I've seen people where they, you know, it's a wood wand with a crystal attached at the end. So you kind of get both. Um, and yeah, so that's a, that's what wands are actually are. Um, I think I probably use my wand like once a year. It's not my favorite tool. I think it's more useful as like a crystal, especially because selenite is a cleansing crystal. Um, but Yeah. I mean, yeah, so I actually use mine again because it is a selenite wand. Um, I use it fairly regularly. It's one of my tools that I use most often in addition to the chalice because I use it to cleanse my space. I know, and we'll talk a little bit more about sound cleansing with when we talk about the bell later, which I think is what you are using mm-hmm. now, Katie. But that's really what I'm using to cleanse my space, to cleanse cars, to cleanse crystals outside of like full moons and things. I'm using my selenite wand. Um, kind of all the time so you can buy a wand um you can buy pre-made wands um you can get crystal ones but I really like the idea and it's not something that I've done personally but there's there's a traditional name for it and I don't know why I didn't think to look it up ahead of time um but for building your own wand from nature Mm -hmm. um so going outside and never break a branch off of a tree um but if you find um, you know, a stick on the ground, you can, you know, ask the tree if that's an off, you know, it could be an offering from the tree and you can thank the tree for the gift. And then you can go and and build your wand from that. And again, you can attach a crystal to the end. You can wrap it in, in ribbon, um, and things like that. So you can build your own wand and, and that's really a great connection between you and nature. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that might even, way of doing it like that being said if you're in a shop and you see a wand that you know your soul just leaps for go for it but yeah I mean making it yourself or getting it from nature I mean in my opinion nature is where you kind of see you know what is holy the most so it might be the best way to connect to that yeah um and it's definitely if, if that's available to you I know I don't know where everyone lives. Maybe you don't have a lot of trees near you. You could live in the city um, where there's just, you know, not a lot of that around. And so do, you know, finding on Etsy or, or in a metaphysical shop might be easier for you. But again, there are a lot of trees around. So if you find a stick on the ground and you, again, you might not need a wand. We, you know, we talked, it's about channeling energy. If you just want it to be there symbolically on your altar, it is a symbol of fire Um, so a lot of people, when they build altars and we could talk about that later in this episode too, um, they tend to have a, a, a symbol of, of every element on the altar. So if you knew you could use the wand as your symbol of fire Mm -hmm. on your altar, even if you're not using it to channel energy or to draw circles, anything like that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and there's other symbols of, I mean, with water, I think the chalice is usually the pretty traditional symbol of water, and I can't think of an alternative for it. Um, but in it, alternatively, uh, you can put an incense or an incense holder um, on there as a symbol of fire or a candle even. But yeah, there's, or, or I guess sometimes incense is air as well, because it's like smoke that goes up into the air. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. In addition to chalice, just just backtracking just a second, um, seashells are actually another good symbol of water. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And that's um, a free. You can even get ones that can hold water. Yeah. Yeah. But again, if you if you are getting things like seashells, um, you know, from the beach, just make try to be mindful and and thank, mm -hmm. you know, the ocean or whatever body of water you're you're at for. I say ocean. I'm in California. That's what kind of we've got lakes here, but really the ocean. Um, yeah. But just you know, to thank it for the offering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a good rule of thumb. Whenever you take something out of nature, is like sit and like feel it out and ask it if it's okay if you take it, or like ask the ocean, or um, say your wild har harvesting plants. Like ask the plant and see what kind of energy you get back. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, so again, that that's the wand. Um, the other maybe useful tool that you might find on an altar is the athame. Mm -hmm. um, so the athame traditionally is a double-edged blade, um, very traditionally with a black handle, mm -hmm. although in modern day, they don't always have to have a black handle. In Charmed, they were this, the weapon of choice for warlocks, which is, it was the 90s. <laughs> but um, they are a, a sacred ritual tool. Mm -hmm. They're not always necessarily used for cutting. So they're a symbol of air, just like the sword mm -hmm. on your tarot card. Symbol of air, again, not necessarily used for ritual cutting, but can be used um, in carving symbols, either drawing symbols in the air or sigils, or even onto candles, if you've got something with, that's maybe not sharp, but has a, a pointy edge, mm -hmm. that's a, a good way to, to use an athame as well. Yeah. And so I have opinions about athames because they're supposed <laughs> to be used for cutting energy and stuff like that, um, or like directing your energy kind of in the same way that a wand is. So in my opinion, they're like not too different than a wand the only way I could think of is like you're supposed to use an athame to like cut a hole in a circle if you've cast a circle and you need to get out of it and you don't want to like dissolve the circle um but I don't I okay here's the thing I think that an athame is really good if it's practical because you can use it to you know carve um stuff into candles or soap or whatever or you can um, heat it up and use it to melt the bottom of a candle. And then that way you can like adhere the candle to a top of a jar or something if you need to do that for a specific spell. Um, however, the first, so the athame I'm currently using and that's on my altar is just like my standard pocket knife that I've had for years. Um, but the one I first bought, cause I was like, okay, I guess I, I need to get an athame. Um, it was a wood one made from bogwood of Ireland, which I thought was really resonant. And I didn't really like want to have, you know, a big, scary ritual knife. Um, so I decided to buy this thing and I've like used it three times and it isn't as good because I like used it to stir something as directed during a spell and the liquid made it not that great. So I would recommend don't get a wooden one. I know sometimes they say like get a wooden one if a metal one's intimidating, but just get a metal one or, and you don't, it doesn't need to be like an athame athame. You can like get a cool pocket knife that you like and that can be your athame. So yeah, that's, I actually don't own an athame. I do have a knife that again, I got from that subscription service. Um, that's wood handled, but it is sharp. It was, it was intended to use to cut something. Um, it doesn't look pretty. It's just a metal knife with a wood, like a pale wood handle. Um, so I, I would eventually like an athame on my altar one day when I do set up an altar, but it's not one of my top priorities. Mm -hmm. So it might be for you though. That might be something that you feel um, is really important to you to have for whatever reason. There's 
any number of reasons you could get in. Maybe it connects you to a deity. Maybe there is an altar or an altar, uh, an athame with carvings or something about a deity or, or something that really resonates with you and you feel like you have to have it. Um, so we're not trying to yuck your yum. If, if that's something that you feel really drawn to, definitely get that. Um, but we don't want you to feel like any of these things are something you absolutely have to have on your altar. Again, if you do some, need something to symbolize air, um, we talked about incense can be for fire or for air. Um, a feather can also be used as a symbol of air. Mm -hmm. um, those are things you can find on the ground. Um, you can buy feathers at, huh, at like Michael's and things like that. Um, just try to make sure they're not, you know, like harming animals when they, when you go get those kinds of feathers. Mm -hmm. um, but that's another good symbol or good yeah, the symbol of, of air if you don't want to have a, a anathema on your altar. Mm -hmm. Another good place to buy feathers is maybe your local metaphys metaphysical store or witch store. I know my local witch store that I hawk all the time, Ritual Craft, they actually like have feathers that are humanely collected that you can purchase from them. So, you know, just look around and also be maybe be a little careful of feathers you find on the ground because sometimes they're good but m I don't know my my mother my is probably maybe not a good resource now I'm thinking about it but my mother always told me to never pick up feathers off the ground because they could be diseased so anyway I mean she's not wrong maybe spray it with some antiseptic <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah, I I think I tend to think of finding feathers on the ground because again I live in a rural rural part of the country. Uh, I know I, I live in California, but it's also the rural part of the country. It's an interesting life I lead. Um, so there are lots of birds and feathers around. So it's not something that I would feel like I couldn't find. But I've not been to all of America. I don't know what the rest of you all experience. So if you've never seen a feather on the ground before, don't feel like you're somehow living life wrong. Obviously, everyone's life is different. Mm -hmm. Yep. Maybe you live in New York and you don't want to pick up a pigeon feather off the ground. I don't blame you. Yeah, don't pick up feathers in New York. I feel like that is going to turn up poorly for you. But also, if you're in New York, there's probably a lot of places that you could go to get a humanely harvested feather. Yes, exactly. Or collected, not harvested. Well, sorry. Sorry, birds. I don't. Okay. I'm on level with you all right now. I have a fear of birds. It's not an unfounded fear. I'm also obsessed with owls. I was had a lot of owls as a kid, like in the trees surrounding my house. I Owls are very wise and very reverent to owls. They still scare the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. But again, yeah. very afraid of birds. Please don't come to me with your birds. Let's move on to the altar tool that has the least practical use and that would be yeah. the pentacle yeah and I don't even have a pentacle I probably should get one but to me a pentacle is like more of a symbol and less of a tool um but yes you, you have a pentacle so why don't you say what you yes so pentacles can be in any shape or size it can be a plate with a pentacle on it so maybe that's that's your use for it maybe it's a plate and you use it for offerings or to hold things something like that. Maybe that, or you have a tile, could be a metal pentacle. I have a wooden one that I actually picked up from Ritual Craft when I was visiting Katie last. Um, it is beautiful and I got it, got it because I was like, I'm going to go home and build my altar finally. And that was mm, last Memorial Day weekend. So, mm -hmm. whoops. Um, so I'm going to tell you all what I use my pentacle for. And you all can judge me as hard as you want because I am this kind of a person. I use it as a coaster. <laughs> if I set my, um, so I have like a little stand that I'll usually set my altar up on. Um, but sometimes I'm that using that stand for something else. And so I'll just set it up um, directly on the carpet or like on my yoga mat. And so I'll use it to stabilize my chalice. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, what I usually use my pentacle for. Eventually I will have a proper altar and I will use it as a symbol of earth. Um, but at this point, what it's being used most for is a coaster for my chalice. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And like I said, I don't have a pentacle. I think if I got a pentacle, it would probably be like a pentacle necklace or something. I'm probably overdue to get out from getting a pentacle necklace. But yeah. Oh, I have a pentacle necklace. It's beautiful. It's a pentacle and a tree of life, but it's not necessarily on my altar. That would fall more into the category of glamour magic, which if you haven't heard our episode from two weeks ago, you can go check that out. Um, Anywhere where you are currently listening to this podcast, it should also be on the same podcatcher um but yeah so again if i really love the pentacle i really love the symbolism of the four elements or the five elements including spirit so i do have pentacle jewelry i do eventually want the pentacle on my altar for that purpose but as far as if you're just getting things for practical reasons or if or something like that don't feel like you have to have the pentacle you could always just draw it yourself um maybe make a little art project to make a pentacle. That would be fine. If you do feel like you need a pentacle um, on your altar or hanging in your house, there's actually a, I didn't talk about that in the last episode and I meant to, um, a company based based out of Placerville, California called Bitter Witch Apothecary. And they have beautiful pentacles um, made out of like found wood and with dried flowers all over it. And they're, magnificent they come in all sizes so if you are looking for something again i got mine at ritual craft when i was visiting katie in in colorado but um bitter witch apothecary also has some some amazing ones Mm -hmm. yeah and i don't know i think of a pentacle more as a symbol and less of a tool but yeah it's a good decorative thing it's a symbol of witchcraft so yeah you do you do you boo boo so yeah (laughs) All right, so let's move on to maybe some more practical or useful tools. Katie, what have you got next for us? Yeah, so I have, I was, I kind of just looked at what's on my altar right now and wrote down everything that um, was, is on there and I consider to be a tool or like a symbol. Um, but I have this interesting like kind of subcategory of like candle tools. So let's start with candle holders because one thing you don't realize as a witch or when you're starting out is that um, you know, you can't, you know, you buy these cool candles, but you can't just, you know, burn them on top of your dresser. Um, so you need to get some candle holders. Um, and for me, um, my favorite type of, you know, there's tea lights. Tea lights are always good. I have a really beautiful um, Gaia or Earth Goddess uh, candle tea light holder that I got actually when Miss and I were in college. Um we went to a metaphys- uh, witchy store in Berkeley, and that's one of like the first witchy things I bought all the way back when I was, you know, 21. Um, Can I just make a brief aside as to let our listeners know about this trip that we took to this metaphysical shop in Berkeley? Because that was before, like, I think we had Google Maps, but it wasn't as good as it was now. So we took BART to like our regular Berkeley station. And then we walked like two miles or, or more, probably more to this metaphysical shop. And as we're like a block away from the medical physical shop, there's another BART station right there, like a block away. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So talk about the candle holder. Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. So that could be a good candle holder. I also like those thin, um, maybe four inch long, candles for doing spell work because they burn down in just like an hour or two um but you have to buy like really specific candle holders for those so i know i bought my small candle holders like that from ritual craft they were like two dollars um or you could just you know go to a thrift store or go to target like my big ornamental um candle holders big taper candles um but yeah my big ornamental holders that i have for big taper candles that are currently in storage i just got those from target for like five piece you can go to the thrift store and get candle holders um but yeah it's just something where you need to it's you don't realize it until you like buy a candle and you realize you don't have a holder for it and then you're like well crap i need to buy something that'll hold this um yes and this is why i only buy well i try to only buy votive candles that are already in glass yeah (laughs) Exactly. So that's or, an option, but I do have, I do have a couple candle holders for, for ritual purposes. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so that's one thing. Um, and that's really useful because I don't know, I've always really liked candles my entire life. So I do a lot of candle magic and that's a pretty regular part of my practice. Like I'm burning candles right now on my altar. Yeah. So that's one good thing. Um, also, um, this is a part of witchcraft that you wouldn't know unless you had been taught it. But an important part of working with candles is that you don't blow them out. Um, you need to either like lick your fingers and snuff them out like that, or you need to put something on top of them and physically snuff them out or like blow them out with a fan I've heard works as well, but you can't just snuff them out. You can't just like blow them out with your mouth. Um, the idea there is that you're creating and, um, gaining momentum with energy when you're burning the candles. And when you just blow it out, it, dis- it completely gets rid of that energy and it ends the spell. Um, but if you use a snuffer to put it out, then you can um, continue that energy and relight the candle at a later time. Yeah. Um, so they have like the smaller snuffers that just are for your, like, your tapered candles, things like that. Um, for my votive candles that I use that are in the glass, Um, similar to seven day candles. I don't usually burn seven day candles just because I'm not leaving a candle burning that long. And I, some people will be against this, but I use the same candle for every new moon, every full moon. Um, and I use the lid to my cauldron. It's nice. It fits right into the glass Mm -hmm. and it snuffs it right out. I actually grew up with a candle snuffer in my home. So I actually like candle snuffers a whole lot, but I just bought. Oh yeah. Yeah, I just bought an antique one off of Etsy for seven bucks. So again, yeah. buy used stuff, buy old stuff. Um, you can, you don't have to spend a lot of money to get something like that. Yeah, I mean, I'll, and I'll use a snuffer for again those like tapered candles. Um, yeah. But I feel like for the the larger candles, um, the snuffers, depending on what kind of snuffer you have. So some of them can get into those kind of dishes mm-hmm. you know glass votives mm-hmm. um but otherwise yeah I'll just cover it with my, the lid to my cauldron and suck the ox- oxygen out yeah and that's a way of doing it I actually that might actually be a smarter way because I just use my snuffer for everything because it's like it has a hinge on top so it can like yeah go fairly fully vertical or horizontal but yeah. yeah and so again if that's that's a great kind of snuffer um if you have that kind if you don't um again cauldron lid Multi-purpose. Let's. <laughs> did you want to move on, maybe yeah. to the cauldron, since I keep talking about it? Yeah, I um, did. So if you think. Yeah, I did have one more candle thing, but we'll. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Oh. Well, my thought was like a lighter or matches, because like for the longest time, I've just been using a safety lighter, but then I realized that it's actually really. Um, it's actually not sustainable because I, you know, I'm using these plastic lighters, and then you know you run through them, and they don't have a way to refill them, so you throw them out. Um, so I've been trying, I'm still have a lighter that I'm w- using up, but when that's done, I'm trying to switch to matches instead. Um, I'm currently using safety matches cause I'm a big freaking baby and I don't like using the stubby matches and almost big burning my fingers. Um, it's the same reason why I don't use a Zippo or a smaller lighter. Um, but a, if you have a lighter, that's really meaningful to you. That's a really good tool to use, especially if it's a reusable lighter, um, that you can refill. So, yeah. Yeah. I do use the longer matches. That's actually one of the things I do buy on Amazon um, because that's the only place I've really found them, um, the the long matches and the the pack that they come in. They have all kinds of different designs. So they have some that have like a tarot card on the front. The one I have right now has keys on the front, but I'm almost out of matches, so I need to order another one. Um, But, yeah, so I do use longer matches to like get down into the the bottom of the votive ca- candles. Um, I love using matches for to, to light candles. It feels so much more spiritual and sacred to me to use a match instead of a lighter. Yeah. And I, since I've been switching to lighters or to matches, I, you know, there's like that spark, the phosphorus bursting and it's very magical. Um, however, I am just getting my matches from the hardware store where you could find them um oh, there you go that's yeah. I don't know why I, I could not find matches in real life I like went to a store and I was like where do you guys keep matches and the gal was like I don't think we carry matches and I was like okay 
maybe it's just where I am. I don't know. I just bought them at Home Depot. They were three bucks. So, yeah. That's smart. I don't go to Home Depot a lot. I think I was at Rite Aid. So maybe that's my problem. I go to Home Depot way more often than I should for someone who does not own my own home. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, matches are great. Um, a great tool again, or, or a lighter if you have one that resonates with you. Um, I'm not a long lighter or a, I'm not a lighter person either. Um, since I was talking about cauldron, the lid to my cauldron earlier, um, and in conjunction with fire, I want to talk about cauldrons next. Um, so a cauldron is usually, usually cast iron, kind of a pot, mm-hmm. um, typically with three legs, they come in all sizes. Um, mm-hmm. so I have a little itty bitty one. Um, I, again, I use the lid mostly for snuffing out candles, Mm -hmm. but they have all kinds of purposes. So you can use it to burn incense, um, you, or other herbs, maybe to cleanse an area. Um, it can also be used in any other kind of ritual burning. So for instance, if you're, um, you know, writing something on a piece of paper or a bay leaf to burn it safely, you can put that right into your cauldron if it's a cast iron cauldron Mm -hmm. yeah and I you can also use cauldrons to like if you do if you're a kitchen witch you can use them to mix up something that you're using as a spell or like to make a potion or some kind of infusion that you're doing um and but it doesn't have to be like a cauldron cauldron like just your regular cooking pot can be your cauldron um whatever or just symbolically or um I have a teeny tiny cauldron that I bought, but I bought it mainly symbolically because I work with the goddess Seridwen and this cauldron is one of her symbols. So I keep it on my altar as a symbol of her. Um, But yeah, you can also like, you can on that note, like I, before I had this cauldron, I bought a big, um, barbecue veggie cooking trait play thing it's weird it's like the ceramic thing that's built to go inside of your you <laughs> for you to cook veggies on so it's fireproof um but yeah i was using that to like you know if i need to burn something during a spell just burning it on that hot plate or um when i was experimenting with incense i was using it to be my incense burner so that's another option and again that's something else that i bought at home depot um but yeah, there's a lot of different, yeah. A, so you can get an actual literal cauldron. There, there are a lot of them on Etsy or in um, New Age or witchy stores that you can buy that are little. Um, I think the big, big traditional, like when you think of a witchy cauldron, those ones you can buy, but they're really expensive. They're like two or $300. Um, yeah. So maybe don't start there. Yeah. Um, And then if you do use your cauldron for mixing potions or anything that you're going to ingest, I would have a separate potion than the one that you're burning herbs and incense in. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't want to, especially if the herbs that you're burning are not safe for consumption. So just make sure as far as cross-contamination is concerned um, that you're not putting any kind of food product into a, a container that you've put something that's dangerous to consume. Yes. And, but also I go back to any pot that you love and use to cook can be a cauldron. I think. Yes. Yeah. I don't think you necessarily have to go out and spend money to get a cauldron. Just use your big soup pot. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so can, I want to kind of continue on with kitchen witchery mm-hmm. and talk about the mortar and pestle. Mm-hmm. Um Yep. I don't really know how to describe it to you. If you don't already know what it is, you've probably seen them before. It's kind of a, a bowl, mm-hmm. um, usually made of like wood or metal or like marble, granite mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Um, and then a grinding um, wand. Yeah, it's like a, they're really traditional. You can find them going back in the archaeological record forever. But yeah, it's basically just like a, stone bowl that's really heavy so it can take being ground against and then a stone um like round uh stub basically 
um, where it's like just yeah. kind of this round thing that's not that long and you use it to grind herbs because you kind of like mix them in a circle and it you can take a full dried leaf and crumble it up until it's you know just little bits yeah um I had one growing up my mom used it actually just in the kitchen in cooking um but they're they're great for grinding herbs for witchcraft mm-hmm. um and in any kind of magical spell, you'll see them, um, you know, listed as, as magical tools all over. So they're definitely useful, mm-hmm. not always necessary. So don't feel like, again, that it's something that you have to have on your altar. It is something that's probably more practical than symbolic. Yeah. Um, so if you're doing a lot of herb grinding, it's probably something that you want for your mm-hmm. um your your witch toolkit but mm-hmm. definitely not something that's required yeah I have uh, a more if yeah I work a lot with herbs I have one on my altar um I just bought it from like I think it was world market um because I couldn't find it anywhere else really um or like it because it's kind of a food specialty store so you can go there um but yeah, I like it. I mean, it is more practical, but I do just kind of keep it on my altar because I don't really have anywhere else to store it right now. Um, but yeah, they're good. They're useful. Um, alternatively, you can use your, uh, you can use like a coffee grinder to grind up herbs if you need to, or a food processor to grind up herbs if you need to. You don't necessarily need to use the mortar and pestle just in my experience it's not really worth you know cleaning your food processor if you're just going to grind up a few leaves to put in a tea so yeah and and additionally the the act of grinding the herbs in a mortar and pestle in and of itself is so ritualistic and Mm -hmm. I don't have one personally for for magical use but just using one as a child in my mom's kitchen was always very ritualistic once again I'm going to say I don't know how I grew up to be a witch mom. Maybe you shouldn't have had a mortar and pestle in your kitchen. <laughs> yeah. But also like there is some stuff into it there. Cause you know, the entire, you know, clockwise is, um, you know, summoning something and then counterclockwise is banishing something. So say you're, tr- you know, making a tea for prosperity, you can, you know, be grinding clockwise while putting your intentions for prosperity into the herbs you're grinding or say you're putting protection and banishing or whatever into those you can do it counterclockwise and put that intention into it so there's a lot you can do with a mortar and pestle yeah oh and uh you might also hear clockwise referred to as sunwise in a lot of witchcraft and counterclockwise as wittershins mm-hmm. um so keep that in mind if you see those in you know a, a ritual that's it's just clockwise and counterclockwise, just the, the witchy name for them. We like to come up with our own names for things. Yeah. We have our own said, language. Yep. I almost said that too, but I was like, eh, I want people to be able to follow what I'm saying. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I mean, we're here to teach you things that we've learned along the way. So there, there's all kinds of new things to learn. Um, we say at my job that every day is a training day. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what it's like to be a baby witch, too. You're always a baby in some way or another. Yep. All right. So next tool that I use. So I actually have pretty bad asthma. So that's why I experimented with incense and other smoke-based, um, like, you know, using sage to cleanse. But I just can't deal with the smoke. It completely screws up my sinuses and my breathing. And I just can't deal with it. Um, so I use a couple of alternative things in, instead of incense or burning sage, well, not sage, but because you shouldn't burn sage unless you're an indigenous person, but, um, you know, burning. I mean, that's, yeah, you shouldn't use the term smudge Mm -hmm. unless you're an indigenous person. Um, it's not necessarily bad to use correctly and, um, sustainably, it's it's if you're if you're burning sustainably harvested and sold white sage um just again the term smudging is specific to indigenous cultures and there's other types of sage to burn than just white sage white sage is mm-hmm. i believe endangered mm-hmm. and i think a lot of people have stopped using it because of that um but if you're buying it from an indigenous person to support them um that's something to keep in mind too so i don't want to tell anyone don't do this 
just mm-hmm. be very mindful of how you're doing it. So again, there's mm-hmm. other things than just white sage to burn. Um, as long as you're calling it like a smoke, smoke cleansing instead of smudging, mm-hmm. because that is something that is sacred to indigenous cultures. And if you're not invited into that culture, um, I would steer clear of that terminology. Exactly. So, yeah. So, but I don't burn anything as you can tell. Um, so I do a couple other things. Um, instead of, you know, using smoke to cleanse, I burn, I cleanse using a bell. Um, and I, you know, I usually ring it three times if I'm trying to really cleanse a space. Um, I, you know, ring it a bunch or like walk around my house and ring the bell. Um, you know, just sound vibration can really cleanse a space. Um, I've even read uh, how you can change the energy of a space or like cleanse it from bad energy. Like say um, the example that I think I read in House Witch um, was like, say you have a someone over and you know, you had a fight with them and the energy of that fight is still there. You can put on music to clear the energy from the fight or like say you are, you know, feeling really creeped out for no good reason, like put on happy music that a ghost couldn't scare you to, um, to cleanse that energy. So it's like, you can use noise and music to cleanse a space. So using a bell, um, is an example of that. Or, um, when one of my friends got married, she, instead of having rice or sparklers, she had a bunch of bells and which I thought was a really good idea. Cause it's like kind of bless, blessing and cleansing you as you're, um, you know, leaving the wedding venue. So yeah, I use a bell. I recommend it. Um, I got mine from a subscription service, so I cannot say where you can buy them necessarily. I know you can buy antique ones sometimes and find them in antique stores. Um, my guess is you could probably find them on Etsy as well. I just look around. Yeah. Um, in addition to bells, um, what you were saying about um, what you read in, was it House Magic, the book? The yeah. House Switch by Erica Feldman, maybe? Hold on a sec. I have the book here. I'm going to go to the book. Hold on. Okay. Yes, by Erica Feldman. House Magic by Erica Feldman. Okay. Um, So it's, it's interesting that she said to play music. There's a cute little meme that, you know, goes around witch Twitter and, and witches of Instagram that's uh, how other witches cleanse their space and then it's how I cleanse my space and it's banging on pats and pans yelling spirit negative spirits get the fuck out yep <laughs> so you know if you don't have a bell and you need to cleanse the space banging on pots and pans is definitely an option yep exactly so yeah so bell or like vibrational energy or sound is one way you can cleanse a space um I also just have a bunch of spray bottles and I like make rose water or lavender water or buy um, Florida water and I spray that to cleanse the space. Um, or you can also make a sage spray if you do want to work with the energy of sage. Um, you can like buy sage essential oil and dilute it and spray that. Um, I like to work with a lot of sprays again because I don't like smoke. It hurts my body. So yeah. So I use um, a Florida water spray. Um, I just kind of use the traditional one that's, if you Google Florida water, it's the first one that comes up. I'm not with my, my witchy tools right now, so I can't remember the exact brand, but it's everywhere. There are other brands too. Again, Katie, um, I know your metaphysical shop, they have their own, um, which as soon as I finish the giant bottle that I bought, that's probably what I'm going to try out. Mm-hmm. But um in addition to, to cleanse a space to the Florida water, I use my besom. So again, part of that same subscription box that Katie and I um, used to subscribe to, uh, we got this little tiny handheld besom. Um, if you're not familiar with the term, a besom is the witch word for a broom. Yeah. It's so just- this can be a large broom. Yep. Oh, what was that? I was going to say a besom is usually just a hand broom, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it can be a, a longer broom, but it's not going to be typically like the broom that you would buy at Home Depot. It's it's more like the, the old witch's broom, you know, mm-hmm. um, more with um, 
you know, the, a real, not, not painted and, and with plastic broom. It's, it's more of a, a wooden broom. Um, but yes, the one that we have is a little handheld broom. And so what I'll do is, um, I'll spray with the Florida water and then I'll, you know, pass the bee some over the room to, to cleanse my space. I use that anytime I start cleaning. That's how I like prepare myself to, to clean a space is I'll spray it with Florida water and, um, you know, pass the bee some around the room and then that cleanses the energy of the space. And then I'm going to go in and physically clean it. So I've done the, the energetic cleansing and then I'm actually going to go do the physical cleaning as well. Um, so besoms are great for cleansing and purifying. Um, they're also great for home protection. So a lot of people have a besom either over the door or by the door um, to protect the home from any negative energy or negative spirits. Um, you also think of um, there, there are certain ways and I, I don't know exactly how to, you know, what the, the proper or the traditional um, ritual of it is, but to keep guests from staying too long, there's a way to turn the broom upside down or something like that by the front door to convince people to kind of leave a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a great um, part of practical magic. Mm -hmm. um, I was just, which again, that. we talked about in the last episode where the broom falls and then they say broom falls or broom foul company's coming. Mm -hmm. And that's the be to me will always be very symbolic. I'm obsessed with practical magic. Mm -hmm. It is my all time yes. favorite movie. And also speaking of practical magic, what brooms do they end up using at the end when they have to like get all the neighbors in there to save, you know, I'm not going to spoil it, but they essentially they need to like, they need 13 women, but there aren't 13 of them. So they call the neighbor woman and they show up with like their, you know, brooms they bought at Safeway. Um, so I think, you know, a besom is very beautiful and it's symbolic and it can be good. But also if you just have your, you know, solo broom, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Use that. Yeah. I mean, I use again, cleaning to me, I hate cleaning. So in order for me to get it done, it has to be ritualistic has to be magical. So yes, if I'm using a broom, I'm using it and I'm always invoking a, a deity. You know, if there's a, if it's around a certain day of the week or a lunar cycle, something like that, I'm invoking, invoking a, a goddess maybe. And, and I'm cleaning in that goddess's name. Um, and I'm using that broom to wipe away, not only the physical dirt, but also the negative energy. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not my traditional ritual besom, you know, just my green broom that I have in the, um, in the closet is yeah. my, it can, can also be a, a magical tool. Yeah. And if you ever need a goddess to invoke Hestia, Hestia, the goddess of hearth and home, I'm sure she'd be more than happy to help you with your cleaning. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to start, start calling on her. Cause woof, man, I do. I hate cleaning. Also Frigg in the Norse mythology. She's like, not only, you know, Odin's wife and goddess of a lot of stuff, but she was, you know, kind of the goddess of the home. And one thing that you have to keep in mind of when you start working with her is if you don't keep your home tidy and like in a good spot, she will like start fucking with you and make things worse than they already are. So yeah, she's also a fun one to work with a little bit. Yes. Uh, Hecate also likes a, a clean home. So that's usually I, one of my, my rituals that I try to do is to clean around the new moon in Hecate's name to, to cleanse it yeah. for her. That's good. Cause again, with, with Hecate and the, the new moon, we're talking about the, the cycle, the witch's cycle, life, death and rebirth. Mm -hmm. Um, so how can we, so in order to be reborn, we need to cleanse the space first. So again, not only cleansing a space energetically, but also physically getting the dirt out. Yep, exactly. And then, um, I don't know, the only, I only have one more tool that I wanted to talk about. Um, and it's actually one that I thought of because you brought it up in the last episode while we were talking. Um, but that is like a diadem or a crown. It's actually a tool that I don't own, but I have looked into possibly buying one, but I've heard that it's a good ritual, like adornment to put on like while you're performing a spell or a ritual um, as kind of a way to harness your energy or to like the same way we were talking about with glamour magic, like um, elevate your energy and create the 
um, feeling that you want to feel while you're doing a spell. So I don't have one, but that's, uh, I don't know, that's a cool idea. If only because yeah. I want a diadem, but. So the, the diadem that is like on my list of like things to buy when I have an excess of money, it's an amethyst diadem. And the way that it would fit would be the amethyst would be right about where my third eye is. Um, and the amethyst is your, your third eye chakra. Um, if, if you work with chakras, I know there's some people, some people out there who would say, if you're white, you can't work with chakras. Um, but a lot of the Eastern cultures are very welcoming to outsiders because they haven't necessarily been harmed by Western culture as far as other like indigenous or African practice, or I should say indigenous to native to indigenous to Northern America or African practice have been harmed by Western culture. So that's why Eastern culture is a little bit more opening to Western practitioners. Um, If I got that so wrong, if you belong to an Eastern tradition and you say, Hey, white lady, fucking cut it out. um, Let me know. Again, you can contact us on Gmail, um, babywitchpod at gmail.com or on Instagram and Twitter at babywitchpod. Where I live, we have a very large, East Indian, mostly Sikh or Sikh uh, population. Um, and they are very welcoming in their culture. It, I've never had anyone say, I'm not going to tell you about this or I don't want you to participate in it. It's usually a come along, let's do this all together. If you work with chakras, if you feel comfortable working with chakras, that's you know, the third eye chakra or even just, you know, your regular third eye. But um amethyst or purple is the color related to the third eye that was a very long tangent to tell you all that purple was a color related to the third eye chakra well but you did bring um, up some good points and i forget who talked about this on um the witch wave podcast but there was one woman on there where she was tayano um and so she you know her point of view you should never be appropriating um stuff from other cultures and she kept on referring to chakras as energy points saying like it's only a chakra if you're practicing Hinduism, you know, there are these energy points on our body and you should be referring to them as just energy points. But at the same time, like, I don't know, like I'm working with my heart chakra right now because when I'm doing my EMDR therapy, you are essentially re-traumatizing yourself. And because of that, you get physical sensations of pain in parts of your body. And the part where I'm feeling this pain while I'm dealing with this trauma is in my, where my heart chakra is. So it's like, it's yes. very, like, it's very visceral and physical. And I think that there is a lot of truth to it. But I also wonder if it's like the same thing as what we just talked about with, um, you know, smudging is a very specific, um, you know, indigenous ritual that you can't, you know, if you just cleanse your home with smoke, that's not smudging. Um, and so that's like why you don't call smoke cleansing smudging because it's not that indigenous ritual and i'm wondering if like the difference between chakras as we know them in the west and chakras as the you know indian subcontinent people know them are different and that's why there's that distinction being made but honestly i have been wondering about that um like the because of that one episode where um I forget it was Juliet something. I forget her last name. Who was the witch wave um, uh, interviewee who discussed that? But um, yeah, she very clearly was like, "No, you shouldn't be using the word chakra if you're a white person." And so since then, I've been like wondering, but also like, I I don't know. I I've been trying not to say it, but also like it's very visceral and like well it's like physiological to feel this chakra thing so I don't know yeah Yeah. but I mean I don't I don't disagree with using the term energy points if you again um well we've said it before but if it feels appropriative don't do it but I I don't think it would be inappropriate to call it instead an energy point Mm -hmm. um and still feel the same associations with it. So to feel that your third eye energy point or your third eye is associated with amethyst and the color purple Mm -hmm. um, and and things like that. And so I think you can, I think you can maybe learn a lot from other traditions without necessarily appropriating those traditions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, there's a lot about cultural appreciation versus cultural appropriation. Um, So, you know, maybe you're learning from it, but you're not practicing it in the same way. You may not call it the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that's true as well. 
But yes, back to, that was a very long rant that yeah. maybe had nothing to do with tools of magic, but I think is important to discuss. Yeah, I feel like that's an important conversation to have. Um, and I think maybe that's where we should end it. Yeah. Today. Yeah, I don't have any other tools to bring. But yeah, so I think that's everything. Um, this was a fast and loose episode that kind of got a little bit longer than I thought it was going to be. If you have any questions about things that we talked about today, mm. um, or, you know, you want us to go into a subject further, or if you have an idea for what our next episode should be about, definitely let us know. Again, I mentioned earlier, um, you can get us on, on Gmail at, or on, uh, you can email us at babywitchpod at gmail.com. Um, or Katie, do you want to give them our, social media handles yeah you can find us on twitter and instagram at baby witch pod um yeah and just feel free to reach out to us if you have any input especially um if you have any input on that last part of the conversation because i'd be curious to hear what the consensus is um yeah this is part of us being baby witches is that we're trying to figure stuff out ourselves and i think you guys just heard a conversation of us being like i yeah this is this controversy and i don't know what to do about it so Yeah, I mean, you're literally listening to us learning, um, which I think is is super important in modern witchcraft to be inclusive uh, without being appropriative is to remember that we are always always learning. Yep, 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 we are. All right. Well, we will talk to you all in two weeks on the next Magical Monday. Bye.